0: Hey guys, welcome to Is What It Is, a podcast where the life and times of Isabella, aka myself, shape my opinions, advice, storytelling, and decision-making. Nothing's off-limits, so let's get into it. Hi Pierce, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Good. Thank you so much for being here virtually. I know it's weird times, and I think I emailed you a few months ago. You've never met me um, besides before right now, so I'm just thrilled that you took the time to do this, so thank you.
1: No problem. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm
0: excited. Um, I went into this Not, I still don't know a ton about you, but right before we started recording, I know a little bit about you and I was like I'm just going to do, you know, a little more research to be up to date. And I almost wish I hadn't because now I feel like you're so <laughs> out of my league that um I'm a, I'm intimidated, but I think that will make for a good podcast.
1: Cool. Well, you know, we all start somewhere and there's no reason to be intimidated. I'm just a, a Carolina grad like you who's yeah, been busy. Um Go Heels. So, Uh, Go Heels. I'm happy to share what I know. Yeah.
0: And actually, I saw you probably three-plus years ago. You're a jazz musician. Is that correct? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I saw you probably three-plus years ago playing at the top of the Durham Hotel. Would Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I saw you, and I was like, I don't know you but I like you. Exactly. I like, whatever is going on with that dude, I'm into, which um, obviously didn't know anything about you at the time, but then I saw your, recently within the last couple of months before I emailed you, I saw your interview, I believe maybe with like Good Morning America.
1: Or oh, the Today, the the Today, Today show. show. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Uh, where you talked about your, is it D.A.D.? Is that how you refer to the album? Yep. D-A-D, D-A-D. yep. yeah. Your new children's album, Uh, which I told you I was just listening to. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome. And I was like, okay, this is – I'm glad my intuition is correct when I saw you years ago that you're a cool guy. So, anyway, I had fun, like I said, researching you. You are a jazz musician or just a musician in general. I mean, after this children's album. And I was looking at it's um, up for a Grammy for best – is that what you're trying to do, get it – grammy nominated or talk to me about that
1: sure so um you know the recording academy has a process where you kind of apply to um submit your music for grammy consideration okay and so we'll find out on tuesday of next week oh wow uh, november 24th i think it is They'll announce the nominees, and it'll probably be a broadcast on CBS, actually. Sure.
0: Well, you have my vote, and I, (laughs) well, (laughs) I know that means absolutely nothing, but I will make sure whoever, all six of my followers, that they know about you and um, push it out to the masses. (laughs) So
1: I'm thrilled
0: for it. It's And it's such a cool, the cool thing about the album is it really does have these, like, hip-hop roots and stuff without you know some of the normal things you're used to hearing in hip-hop music i mean it's really an album do you you have children a a daughter and a son is that right yeah yeah yeah, so i guess maybe let's start with like where did this idea come from was it something you pondered for a while or were you like this needs to be done i'm the guy talk me through that
1: well i guess um you know it started becoming a parent I was, um, as I mentioned, a Carolina grad like you. Um, I graduated in 2006. And uh, my wife, who was, you know, 07, the the year behind me, um, you know, we started our family in the next year after I went straight to grad school uh, at Syracuse. And then uh, we started our family in 08. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, being a young parent, especially you know, everything is new. Like I didn't know anything about, um, you know, how to raise a kid. Hadn't done that before. So, <laughs> Naturally. um, you know, you get introduced or really reintroduced to things like, um, kids television shows, like, you know, you watch them when you're a kid, but sure. when you're grown, you just kind of phases out. It's like, oh yeah, blues clues is a thing. Isn't what are the kids into these days? Barney? What? Like, right. I don't even know. Like, And so in exploring, um, content, you know, to keep them busy and engaged, sometimes it's to,
0: do you feel good about the children's content? Like I am, you know, as you just mentioned, like I'm so far removed from any kind of cartoon, any kind of children's, whatever. Do you think it's, is good stuff being put out there?
1: Well, I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff and even when I look back to my own childhood, a lot of it is kind of uh it's corny, like yeah. it's, which which I think is that's like the brand. It's it's by design, it's I love you. Right. you love me. <laughs> you know, just like mm-hmm. kinda kinda pandering to kids' intelligence and you know, what I've found with my children is that they have taste, they have remarkable uh intelligence and Um, that's just, I don't know. It was kind of surprising to me how clever and, you know, perceptive and, and, uh, you know, yeah, just intelligent.
0: Right. And I'm glad to hear you say that because I find that in general, we just don't give kids enough credit and I'm not a parent. I'm a single girl living in Charlotte, living out here, living my best life. And (laughs) But at the same time, I was around kids this weekend. I've uh, been seeing someone and went to meet his sister who has a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And that blew my mind kind of in a way. I was like, holy crap. I'm like, in one way, I just feel not that far removed from it,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: weird. And in another way, I'm like, these are just people and you can have no conversations people. with them. And
1: yeah,
0: um, probably my biggest... One of my biggest pet peeves, I don't know if you will know what I'm talking about. Like, let's say you're in Target or you're in Walmart and the mom that has to, for some reason, talk like 10 octaves higher to her child (laughs) and just be like, no, sweetie, that's no, that's not what we're doing. I'm like, stop, shut up. Like it is a person you can tell, obviously you're going to have directive. You're the parent, but it's still you can have a normal conversation and i assume that what you're going to be hinting at with kind of where you're headed is like that you wanted to make content or make an album that had some substance to it
1: sure i mean you know the part of the challenge of of exposing your kids to different media is that um you have to listen to it too. Like you put your kid in front of a show and go do something else or watch it with them. And you're, you're, you're absorbing that stuff too. And if it's baby shark and it's just like, you know, looping, right? you know, nauseatingly (laughs) catchy, just, you know, music, then, then, for me, at least, especially as a musician, I'm like, no, I'm sorry, can't do that. Yeah, you're
0: like, I <laughs> and, know better um, than this,
1: right? And, and meanwhile, there's like, there's artists out here that make music with no profanity in it. Like, that's the real thing. It's right. What what really distinguishes something as inappropriate is mostly the language and the content. Sure. And so, I found myself really drawn to like Bob Marley, mm-hmm. you know, um, somebody who just makes awesome music that kids can that are it's memorable it's catchy kids like it but adults are actually like enjoying it as well yeah and um I found that you know in the marketplace of children's music uh, there wasn't a lot like that like you said you know at the beginning well your, your listeners of your podcast didn't hear this but before we started the interview, you were like, hey, I was just listening to uh, Gather Your Clothes. Like, yeah. it's a great lesson for me. I had a friend who, um, shortly after I put the album out, he was telling me, um, man, your song, Bubble. Like, I love that, I effect. listened
0: to that right before too,
1: but go ahead, yes. Yo, I mean, it's a song about setting healthy boundaries. Like, he was like, I didn't know I needed that yes. for my relationships. Like, Absolutely, so like, and
0: I, the thing I love too about the album is like, can you imagine, and obviously you can because you made the album, but can you imagine if we started off with these conversations with children and that's just what they knew to be normal instead of like mm-hmm. sitting here in our 20s and 30s being like, oh, I need to set boundaries, you know, which I'm yes. sure is it's... the point of why you went into this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's... um you know, but I mean, these things are universal, and there's a lot of things that, um, you know, that you have to teach your kids, and that may not seem, uh, you know, for someone who's not a parent, especially, that this is what amazed me about children is, is how quick they are, how spongy they are, mm-hmm. how quick they absorb things. And so, um, you know, I see no reason why, for example, you know, in a song like Bubble, we can't talk about boundaries on a song like my body we can't talk about consent yeah you know like that's that's a conversation kids you know yeah most folks are having once they're you know sexually active and curious um but no like we need to start talking because rape culture is talking to kids from three four five six seven Mm -hmm. eight years old and so we need we need to build the culture that we want to replace the.
0: and what do you mean by that
1: well, what I mean is, uh, you know, the the language we use, like rape culture, is a is is the it's ingrained in the way that we speak. It's ingrained in the media that we consume, and and so sometimes, you know, it'll just be a commercial. Like right. you're watching a football game. Maybe you think football is completely benign. It's not political or basketball, any sport. Sure, uh, tennis. We're just watching the sport, but. You know, in between these matches, you know, um, these commercials come on and these commercials, you know, feature characters, you know, playing roles that reinforce certain stereotypes Absolutely. or that, um, you know, that that reflect a certain culture and rape culture, which I didn't learn until college. I, 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 I was unfamiliar with the, that term until... Um, you know, I started taking women's studies classes and, and, um, you know, media literacy classes, and then come to find out like a lot of the language we use, a lot of the media we consume, a lot of the movies we watch. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it includes these subtle elements of like the damsel in distress or the, um, you know, the, 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 language we, we use, even like the violence around sex, for example, sure. you know, like I'm about to smash, I'm going to hit that. Like, you know, these are just things that yeah. when you start learning about sex and you're talking with your friends, you're like, oh man, did, did you, did you hit that? Like, that's, that's the way that we talk to each other casually without, <laughs> right? without recognizing that, that to hit something is, is a violent is a, term, It's a violent term to smash. Something means to, you're trying to break it. Right. Like, why are we saying this thing that's supposed to be this consensual, mutually enjoyable thing? Right, but, but we're just casually using language that that degrades people, and it sets us yeah. up
0: really for failure. Um, there's honestly so much you said already that I could I just have a million thoughts on. Um, but I think the biggest thing to really tie it back together is that. These conversations and these feelings, like I'm just now in the last couple of years getting to a point where I feel comfortable, A, having the conversation and B, like even feeling those feelings and giving them validation and being like, okay, let's talk about boundaries or that hurts me or like my feelings are hurt or whatever. And there's just like years where I didn't know to do that in any way, shape or form. And it really hurt me and it really hurt my value system within myself and my self esteem. And now I think the pendulum almost is going to the other side because now I'm so aware that I have the power of my body, of my mind, of my choices, of my boundaries that I'm really, I have like this fortress up that where I'm like, nope. And that is great on one hand, but on the other hand, it's like not everyone knows where I'm coming from sometimes. Like, like I was just saying, I like in, while trying to date and stuff, like if I feel that a man is in any way trying to control me, whether it's, what I say, what I wear, what I do, whatever. I'm just like, just no, no, nope. get lost. Stop trying to control me, stop. And it's almost not really fair to them in some ways. Cause they are like, I, I'm not, not like the what I'm wearing and stuff. Of course that's never fair, but sometimes they're just trying to like tell me normal things. And I'm so like staunchly like, no, this is who I am. Like I am woman. So it's been interesting trying to like remember too that like not everyone's terrible or out to get you, and I think had I had the d i d album, had I had someone like with your voice and hearing these conversations younger i this would have been a process that I would have gone through, and I wouldn't be fighting so hard right now with it. Does that make sense?
1: yeah, I mean, I think that culture is really, um, influential. It kind of shapes who we are. And, um, a lot of things you don't question. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we don't question the way things have always been. And, um, you know, if you're lucky and you are able to, you know, open your mind and get exposed to some new ideas that kind of challenge your preconceived notions, right? then there's an opportunity to grow. But what you're describing, it sounds like, you know, we need, we need to heal from, from the, from the trauma that we've experienced. Let's name that as trauma right? and like, and, and how, you know, there's a, there, on the other end of, of that healing, there's a, there's a, a butterfly. I mean, for lack of a better analogy, you know, the, the, what happens to a caterpillar when it's in chrysalis, like when it's, you know, in its little cocoon, Mm -hmm. it's not just like the caterpillar sprouts wings. It, It actually breaks down to like a goo like if you were to
0: Can we just take a minute to realize how freaking insane that process is? Like what but, the heck is going on with butterflies? But it, anyway, it's a, it's
1: a it's a crazy metaphor yeah. for what what you're describing. Like you can't just take patriarchy or rape culture and then just put pretty wings on it. You actually have to de- deconstruct it mm-hmm. so that you can create something completely different. Right? I think in the interim, when you're in that metamorphosis process, you can feel a little gooey, feel a little kind of discombobulated, I guess. Yeah. But, um, you know, once you figure out, you know, where your boundaries are, once you once you do the requisite healing work that's kind of required for you to truly emerge in all your fullness with all your boundaries and all your, you know, um, beauty, Yeah. Then, then it really allows you to, to develop deeper relationships than you were capable I couldn't of agree more. Beforehand. Yeah, I definitely feel important. very
0: much in the gooey. Let's put it that way. I feel like 20s in general, I'm like, I am a pile of goo trying to <laughs> deconstruct, trying to start again, trying to do my best, managing to fuck it up in the process. Um, and then, But still, I think coming to the table and... I, I wish that for everyone in their 20s. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get there later in life. And some people never get there. Yeah, you know, which is wild. And, you know, I go to a therapist and shouts out, Kay. she we we really try to, like you were just talking about with the butterfly metaphor, but let's break down where this trauma is. And I think trauma is this like big word for a lot of people. But it is so, it can be so microscopic Mm. and trauma. Just like, I'll say things that I remember that my mom said to me growing up that have stuck with me that I have carried as a woman. Okay. I don't want to do that because I don't want to upset mom, Mm. you know, or this something a guy said to me growing up. So that's attractive or not attractive Mm. or whatever. Mm. And I think, And tell me what you think about this. But I think even in those moments, those can be traumatic and they shape your definition of huge factors of your adult life.
1: Yeah. No, I I agree with that. Well, first of all, I want to commend you for uh, going to therapy and, you know, acknowledging that, you know these are really complicated things to unpack. And it helps to have a professional yeah. around who can help guide you through a process. Thank you. It's hard
0: being this screwed deal. up. I've really done done what I could. <laughs> no, but thank you.
1: Well, good. I'm, I'm proud of you, Isabella. And I think that your listeners and everyone who's, you know, who's tuning in needs to know that like, you know, what you're going through, if you're dealing with trauma, you know, it's totally normal. Like a lot of people have had traumatic experiences and it's not the kind of thing you can just like pray away or just, right. you know, it's going to go away if you just sleep. Like it's actually, yeah, it requires, it requires real work. And, and um, just like you wouldn't just break a bone and, and expect it to heal itself. Like, yes, the body has its own internal mechanisms to try to self-repair, but if you don't get that bone set by, by a professional, like mm-hmm. create, you know, damage that, can never be repaired. Right. So the the same thing is true um of our of our experiences. And yeah, you're totally right. It could it could be something that a parent said, it could be something that happened with a friend or or a mentor or a camp counselor.
0: Right. You know, and it doesn't and
1: it doesn't necessarily have to be physical. Like sometimes trauma is physical, sometimes it's mental, sometimes it's emotional. So yeah. I think yeah. that you're you're t- you're totally right and you're doing the right thing to try to address it and um I hope more folks who are listening kind of demystify the and and, and destigmatize, especially in the Black community. Like as as uh, African Americans, especially Black men, I feel like the stigma against asking for help, against mm-hmm. you know um, admitting that you've been harmed in some way. I couldn't agree more. Like, it somehow tears away at your masculinity. Like, Absolutely. oh, I'm not a real man if I can't figure out how to overcome this by myself. Right. And it's it's totally a, a, an unhealthy approach.
0: Right. I couldn't agree more. Feminism is something um, near and dear to my heart. I would say a few years ago, even probably 10 years ago, I would have said, I'm not a feminist, but in understanding why I wasn't a feminist, I realized how that I, how I was a feminist. Cause I'm like, I'm a woman. I don't need any special, word. I don't need, I'm good. But you know, the more I learned about feminism, I realized that's what it is. And it's not that women are better or that we need more. It's about understanding the equality of the genders. And in turn, kind of what to hit on what you were just saying, my education on feminism helps me to realize how much we're harming our men. And I think that is part of feminism, which is I, th- maybe off-putting or something people can't grasp because it's hard to use the word feminism and realize that it's a fight for equality and it's a fight for men as well. At least that's my mm-hmm. particular take because I think we really are harming our men by saying, man up,
1: right.
0: by saying, you know, don't cry, don't whatever. Um, yeah, we've completely robbed our men of emotional vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. So have you, yeah, is that, and it's yeah, tell me amazing. about that for you.
1: Well, you nailed it. I mean, like, you know, and and in the relationship between, you know, patriarchy and, and sexism, I mean, it goes back to what we talked about with rape culture. Like, if you, you know, are on the playground in 4th grade and you skin your knee and you burst into tears as a kid like you know one of those older 6th graders, 8th graders, it could be like they're going to call you a bitch. Right. Like that's, that's the word. Don't be a pussy. Use. Don't be a bitch. They're going to call you they're going to call you a pussy. And and that's and it's so that that's harmful on a bunch of levels. First of all, uh it's dehumanizing mm-hmm. and and it it um you know the the insult if you really look, if you unpack that you know what they're calling you is a woman or feminine or non male. Right. You know, as if the, those qualities of being vulnerable or or showing uh, that you've been hurt are unmanly in some way. Right. But the but the instead of calling you, you know, you're not a jerk, you're not an asshole. You, you know, it's a it's they're basically saying you're you're a woman as if that's the worst possible thing you could call a man. Like right. Um, and, and it still and, and is, that, I think, in popular culture. Oh my! And but what that speaks to, you know, very directly. It's not even a veiled metaphor. What they're saying is, women ain't shit. Right. And and so and you're tricks. you're at the lowest level of society. Like I. But basically, anyone who would say that is saying, I hate women. Right. Like.
0: But do you think that's <laughs> too? Do you think that's too extremist to say? That that's what they're saying. I mean, I certainly but, agree with you t- to a point, but I'm also like, but it it's
1: yeah, unpack that. It's not here. Here's why it's not extremist because that's what it that's what it means. It's the it's an insult. Mm-hmm. They're trying to you know, somebody pisses you off. There's lots of colorful curse words you could use sure. to degr- to degrade them. But for a man to insult another man, uh, the worst thing you can say to them is is to call them a woman that you know and again so to unpack it i don't think that men are consciously saying i hate women i hate women but that that goes back to the but that's the underlying current right it's the underlying current and it's this it's in the same vein as you know and words make worlds this is a friend of mine um what's her name dr margaret Brunson says this words create worlds so in the same way that saying i'm gonna smash like if or did you hit it or did you tap you know, like these words mean things. It means did you have sex? Did you have intercourse? Did you were you intimate?
0: Right. You know,
1: that's what it that's what it translates to. But that's not that's not what the word actually means. So I do think it some of it is subliminal and some of it is is subconscious, but that's a dangerous place for it to be. It's a slippery
0: slope. Absolutely. It's a slippery
1: slope and and you know god so i'm on durham city council and third we uh, we Is that it? third ward yes and we just we just did a a police report like our, our police chief you can watch it it streams uh on online okay so cool awesome at the, at the at the end of our meeting on thursday um we got a police report and they were saying you know this many shootings this many murders this many rapes mm-hmm. and so and there were like 77 or something rapes and that seven, word, that eight, seven
0: of, something like in was, what time
1: frame not that the just the past just the past nine months wow in in Durham and that really surprised me and I told my wife like babe like I mean I didn't I, that was just mind-boggling to me like why isn't you know I mean there've been 23 murders that's crazy like that's a wild ass statistic. I can't believe it. What can we do about that? But every, you know, I'm working on policies to deal with gun violence because it's urgent. And 23 is a wild number. And there've been, you know, 800 shootings. It's like, you know, we're just getting the numbers, but I'm like, why is nobody talking about the 77 rapes? Like that is a mind boggling number Mm -hmm. to me. But then I remember that my wife can't go jog around our neighborhood at night. Yeah. by herself she has to either bring the dog or she has to do it while the sun's out right i could be out at two o'clock in the morning well i then have to worry about police (laughs) right but i wouldn't have to worry about being assaulted right like that's a crazy thing i think um there's a comedian who who talks about this but not in a joking way just like how crazy is it that women can't leave the house they can't they have to think twice when they're at the gas station pumping gas and it's late like you really have to watch your back and 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 that is the standard. So you can't just say that the, that it's just an undercurrent in the language like right people are really out here being predators, hating women, people. raping people and by I the think, dozens yeah, and, every month. Uh, like that's yeah. that's not that's not a mythological – that's that happens every single day. And that's day. what's reported. Right. Like
0: and that's what I wanted to talk about too is that's, I mean, if you get shot, <clears throat> it's going to, you're going to go get help. You're going to, you're not sitting at home like, should I bleed out or should I, you know, it's like, yeah. and, you know, as a woman, I do feel like I can shed light on this. And I've had, and it's honestly taken me up until the last couple of years and even specific, even this moment. And feeling safe with someone where there's been two instances in my life where I was in a weird situation and alcohol was involved, but I was taken advantage of. And I didn't know how to handle it. And it felt like, well, that's was my fault. And I was in bed with him or I was. You know, all these things as a woman that you're just, and you're kind of taught that through the culture, like, well, make sure you mind your P's and Q's about, mm. you know, alcohol or about, well, well, you were in bed with him. You already had made that decision. So, mm. and I'm like, yeah, but did I expect to get woken up with a naked man on top of me mm. where I wasn't even conscious? Like, What? Like, what the fuck are we doing? And yeah, I'm, oh. yeah, men are able to just like, I've and I had a conversation with this person and he's like, I just thought, yeah, I mean, what, what? Like, I just thought that's, you were over and we'd been drinking a lot. I'm sorry if you felt uncomfortable. Mm. And it's taken me up until now. And it's been, you know, eight years ago. I don't even know. Not, not Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Five, six years ago where I'm just like, huh. Had I known what I know now about that situation, mm. but I didn't. And I think that is the majority of women don't even know what they don't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're out here wow. getting raped and we're out here getting traumatized and assaulted. And mm. we feel bad about it for the man.
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's, I mean, that is. Isn't that wild? That is a story that I think a lot of women will be able to relate to, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. um, you know, as co- you know, creating consent culture is about is about disrupting that narrative as soon as possible. You know, right. if you go listen to the song "My Body," you know, it's my body and my rules. You know, and it starts with little things like kids, you know, being told, you know, hug uncle such and such. Like, nah. If if, uh, if I don't want to hug, I don't have to hug. Right. Like consent is a word that kids need to be familiar with before they're, you know, yeah, you know, before they're sexually curious or active. And you know, uh, I have body autonomy. Like I don't have to do anything I don't want to do with my body. And girls need to hear that, and boys need to hear mm-hmm. it too, because they may not realize, you know, that what they're doing is is not consensual. But because the culture is such that like i said you know from the language we use to the way that we talk to one another uh, about sex and the role and, authority plays mm.
0: the significance that we've put in authority i mean the obviously glaring issue we've seen is police brutality but even to back to your other example of the uncle or of anyone where it's
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: you know that's just be be sweet Right. or give your uncle hug or whatever or yeah yeah it's just it's it's mind boggling really
1: but mm-hmm. well i'm 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 just you know you are a resilient survivor you're a a you know growing and and learning and you know i think that for me when when i'm making art and when i'm using my voice to say something i want it to uh I want it to, you know, do what this conversation is doing. Have tough conversations right. about ways we want to shift the culture. How do you use your podcast or your song or your music video to shift the culture? Mm-hmm. Because as it stands, it is harming half the population, just the <laughs> right. culture. right? You know, it, it is harming. Well, actually, this is to your point. It's not just half the population because the, the assailants, you know, if you mm-hmm. look at the police brutality, for example it's not just the people on the other end of of those bullets that are being harmed. It is the person pulling the trigger as well that's also being harmed. Right. You know, if you look at, if you even take it back, sometimes I think about enslavement, you know, the system of slavery. Like, obviously that was a shit circumstance for, (laughs) you know, my enslaved ancestors. Great way to put but, it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but imagine, yeah, I mean, just to it's put it really lightly. really shitty you know, for you guys. I'm sorry. But but yeah. but imagine, a mad, think about how, you know, just morally, karmically, that's also harming the person who's holding the lash. Yeah. It's harming the person who's doing the brand. And that makes it's harming me think the about,
0: uh, like, current culture with, okay, something as big as the policeman shooting and then you have instead of walking it the shooter through like okay what the fuck just happened and obviously there's a culture shift we then have this partisan divide where 50% well it's it's not 50 but let's just say half half of our population is therefore fighting for the rights of that person and to encourage them and say you were right you were right you were right and like how confusing is that for the shooter not that we need sympathy for the shooter but i'm just saying the amount of political divide that's in the current climate is just insane to me i can't understand how like there's normal things that just make sense and there's extremes on both ends and it's just wild. I'm like, let's just think about it. Like now we're well, Yeah. I mean, where do you go?
1: Yeah. I think that um, you know, so there's this uh author Paulo Freire, he wrote a book called Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Um, you know, and he talks about how, you know, and this goes to your point about feminism liberating all of us, not just women, but men as well. You know, the idea that um you know, that the oppressor are all, the the oppressors, you know, by virtue of the harm that they're causing others are also, you know, are also oppressed. Right. And in liberating. And I've never thought about this.
0: So thank you for making me think about this. This is a really cool thought. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, in liberate. So, so for women in in liberating themselves, they also liberate their, the men Mm -hmm. too, from being rapists. Right. Like who, what kid growing up wants to, aspires to harm people? Like that's right. a, it's a terrible cultural thing that folks are indoctrinated into. They're sworn into this culture of violence against women. Right. And um, that's not to say that, that there's no personal responsibility involved, but um, th- this is the air we breathe, patriarchy. It is the racism you know this is the culture and so um yeah in doing the work of of feminism and and doing the work of anti-racism folks are liberating themselves and their oppressors as well right and it's it's really a um a sacred responsibility and and i think that the, the the work of transforming the world it's the only work I want to be involved in. Like I'm not <laughs> right. interested. I love that. I'm not interested in, you know, you mentioned earlier just kind of without talking about what most hip hop is about, like, Oh yeah, your hip hop's a little different from the standard. Right. Well, let's, you know, what is most hip hop? Right. About? It's, it's about violence. It's about, um, well, let me not say most hip hop. Let me say corporate hip hop because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of rhapsodies out there. There's a lot of no names out there. Sure. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of artists. There's a lot of uh,
0: transformation from what I can see so far. But yeah, I mean, as far as corporate goes.
1: Yeah, the, there's a couple topics that they like to rap about and, or to put out. And, um, and you know, those things are typically uh, reinforcing negative stereotypes about African Americans. And, and this isn't just hip-hop. Like, right. pop culture in general, especially if you look at women, it just, you know, it really... Centers on profiting around their objectification, right? And so, you know, we need to name that. And and uh, when I think about uh, making music and making art and raising children, um, you know, I have a responsibility to my kids and other children to create music and create culture that's disruptive to that status quo that not that reinforces it.
0: Yeah, and actually, that hits on something I also want to talk about. I was thinking about. And maybe as a black man, you can help me understand this, but I've seen it as a woman. Um, You know, we want want to be seen and we want to be heard, but then we get on Instagram and display our bodies. And I had another podcast episode about this, and I think one of the questions we were trying to figure out is, can we objectify ourselves? And I guess my question for you is, in turn with what you were just hinting at with let's say corporate hip hop with, you know, these black male rappers rapping about violence or women or money or whatever, are they harming themselves? And like how I would, I would say yes. In ways I would say yes. But at the same time, I think it's their life and they get to, make that decision and give a voice to their experiences.
1: But let me give you, yeah. let me give you a shine a some example. light on that for me. Sure. So, you know, sometimes it gets a little complicated when you conflate systems of oppression, like the music industry or the entertainment industry for that matter with kind of you know, individual individual responsibility and i just want to separate those two because okay. what i've learned what i've learned from studying and and learning from mostly like radical black feminists is that um, you know the, the 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 overarching issues are systematic they're not interpersonal so okay um, so for example um, Let's go back a little bit in history. Are you familiar with uh, a woman named Hattie McDaniel? I am she's not. She's a black. Okay, so black woman actor. She was in the movie. Um, know, that name, name sounds man. familiar. She was in. She she's the first black person to win an Oscar, and um, she won for Gone wow. with the Wind. Um, and in Gone with the Wind, she was like a nanny or something. Mammy mm-hmm. like,
0: uh, and Gone uh, with the Wind. God. Gotcha. Okay.
1: Yeah. So in the stereotype at the time, there's the stereotype of black women as kind of. As mammies, as nannies, it's a negative stereotype, and a lot of people chastise her for uh, playing, performing this role in this very popular movie, and then she was rewarded for it, right, by the system. You
0: yeah, know, that is a similar question to what I'm asking, yeah. And,
1: and so, you know, she had a really interesting response. She said, "Well, I'd rather play a nanny than be one, right? You know." And then she drove off in a Rolls Royce or whatever she was whipping at the time, because right. she was getting paid, like, right? You know, she doesn't. And there's another guy, Burt Williams. You know, you're getting the Black History lesson today. Burt like Williams it. was a um, was an actor. He was a Shakespearean, classically trained actor, but in the United States, because <laughs> you can't be a black man and get a role in a you know in a in a Shakespearean yeah, play. Of course, not he right. had to he had to do these really debasing, negative, minstrel stereotypes. Uh huh. Um, kind of making fun of black people and eating fried chicken and watermelon, right. and, you know all these. Which I like to these... say,
0: as a white person, fried chicken and watermelon is fucking good. Like, fair enough. That...
1: Listen, my it's my southern culture.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing.
1: It's southern culture, but you know the the and I get that too. You know, but the thing is, it's 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 tethered to negative right. stereotypes wild. about black to people. Not interrupt your amazing point. I'm sure you're about to make, so please carry on. Well. But, but my point is, my point is this, uh, you know, he would love to be able to perform a variety of roles, Mm -hmm. but the, the, the fact of the matter was those roles weren't available to him. Right. The, the roles that he did, (laughs) Daniel may have been, may have been capable of playing or interested in playing were not available. And so they are surviving in an industry that has a very narrow lane for what a black person is allowed to be. Yep. And I think the same is, can be said of hip hop. Right. And, um, you know, Jay Z talked about this in, in his album. Uh, I forget. This might've been the Black album uh, on a song called Moment of Clarity. He says, uh, you know, um, truth be told, I'd rather be Talib Kwali, who's like a conscious hip hop artist, mm-hmm. you know, but um, he says, I wanna rhyme like Common Sense, who's the rapper, Common sure. He used to go by Common Sense. But he said, "But I did five mil. I've been rapping like common sense, like being a conscious rapper. Great, it makes you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. You can put positive images out in the world. But I did. I made five million doing rapping about being a drug dealer, right. and I've been rapping like common sense. And look at where Jay Z is right. now. He's and one of the now, biggest mogul in the world. Yeah,
0: and maybe it was worth him doing that to now be able to have that conversation where he is."
1: Well, that's what he says right. in the rap. He says, right. uh, you know, uh, I did what makes sense, meaning both sense and pennies. Um, yeah. Uh, and and I can't help the poor if I'm one of them. Like, that's that, a later line. Like, I got rich, maybe objectifying stereotypes. Fair enough. Big Pimpin' was a big hit of his. He had a lot of songs that really dove into these negative stereotypes. And I made a fortune. Right. So now I can bail out, you know, people who've been unjustly accused of things. So, you know, and, and, and I think there's a fair argument there, like for Hattie McDaniel, for Burt Williams, for Jay-Z. But if you really look at who's creating the circumstances for artists to be able to make those decisions, it's not the individual rapper who came up out of Atlanta or who came from poverty out of St. Louis or whatever. It's the industry, Mm -hmm. which, uh is if you look at the and i'm not talking about the heads of record labels i'm talking about the ceos of global corporations and entertainment media companies they're all white men mm-hmm. there are no no women involved no black people involved it's white <laughs> right. men they own it who needs and them? the prime and get and the primary consumers of hip-hop are primarily white men once again yeah the folks who are are performing the gangster talk are black men, right. but the folks who consume it voraciously, you know, and listen to it, bumping through the suburbs, right? You're not you're not selling platinum hits to, you know, the hood in Dallas or in Bankhead. You're selling to you're selling a mirage of what blackness truly is to suburban white kids who find it fascinating. Right. And who find it intoxicating and interesting. But I'd also say that
0: black people in the hood or these communities also find it. I mean, it's their anthems too.
1: Well, sure. I'm not saying that black people don't like trap right. hip hop. There's no doubt about the uh, the ways in which I mean, in, you know, or Tyler Perry or any other kind of black entertainment media. But if you look at um, if you look at the ways uh, at the consumers of hip hop, what makes the album go platinum? Right. What makes it sell 10 million copies is not the the subset of the black population right. that is listening it it means that it's caught on to the imagination of a suburban white kid mm-hmm. who is going to drop $12.99 for an album right. and it's you know, kind and of a, it there's it. like
0: this meme now that's like me listening to fucking bitches and shooting up whatever the hood on my way to my 9 to 5 and it's like A white woman with her hand on the wheel smiling, you know, it's like, to your point, it's just amazing that this is kind of what we've accepted and what we're pushing forward in the world.
1: But it's also, it's also, you know, going back to the imagination and the ways in which, you know, the words become create worlds, like the (laughs) violence that we use against women casually Become reflected in the violence that women actually experience yeah. when they want to go for a jog or they're on a date, right. you know, um, or whatever. Like so too does the violence that folks find so fascinating in hip hop become the practice right. for these people. You know, I'm hoping the lady listening to that music is going to an accounting <laughs> job and not going right. to a job as a judge or a job yeah. as a police officer or a job. As someone who you know is a real estate agent, because there's no way
0: I think, yeah, what you're saying, there's no way to contain it just to that circumstance. It's going to the accountant circumstance, for instance. Mm. It's, it just, yeah, it's going to have rippling effects, and people are going to hear it, or your kids hear it, and we're not having the necessary or appropriate conversations, and then they do with it what they want, and then you have the 17-year-old raping someone or whatever, you know, it just, it does absolutely
1: bleed out. Well, the, yeah, the, cult, the culture becomes our perception of the world. So when you go vote, you know, the, that, that perception is with you, especially if you don't have real deep interpersonal relationships with people of color. Right. Your perception is shaped by the culture. Mm-hmm. And and that was the case with Minstrel C too, and that was the case. That's the case with movies. That's the case with you know like the whole anti-Islamic thing. If you go look at how brown people are portrayed in the media, you know it is the bad guy in Iron Man. It is the random Arabic or Persian speaking villain. You know you don't see you know brown people you know from Pakistan or from uh, you know from southern India. Being uh, just normal in, in a movie. Or, or if you do, it, it's like a freaking unicorn, like Mindy Kaling. Right. And, and they, you know, they'd be. Yeah, you
0: can count on your hands. Like, um, what's the guy, the comedian that's. Aziz. Or, well, yeah, there's Aziz and like Kamanji. What am I thinking? What is his name? I can be totally off base. Who knows? Um, but just my point, I guess, in saying that is. Like, we're sitting here being able to name them.
1: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's a lack of representation. Right. And meanwhile, you could name off a dozen, you know, Seinfeld, right. Paul Bart, Mal Cop, Jim Carrey. Right. You know, right, right, right. Freaking just, you know, endless. So, uh, you know, I think representation matters and culture and media matter in helping shape people's ideas uh, and their perception. It does matter.
0: World. And I am yeah. someone that doesn't even. I'll, like, I'll fight against that. Like, I'm here to say, it. like, I will fight against, I'm like, does everything have to matter so much? Like, it pisses me off that it does. But I think in the end, I always circle back to like, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so it's just, and I think some people, I think, oh, yeah, most, a lot of people are never able to circle back to, yeah, it does. Because it's really hard to swallow the pill that things matter. It's a huge undertaking. Once you have that realization that things matter, you therefore have to go out and live your life that way.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, some people hope that's the hope for right. sure. But I think a lot of folks, um, you know, they're not required to care right. because they're privileged. Uh,
0: and I find myself in that boat. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I am tired of caring. I don't want to care, which. I'm not happy about like, I'm admitting that that sucks. That's mm-hmm. shitty. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's just tough. It's a tough thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that, um, you know, as a man, especially a black man who experiences racism and benefits from patriarchy, you know, I, I think it's a balance. Like I'm making my business to care because I care about, um, being an ally. Exactly. And so, but, but that makes me have to work constantly to, uh, be mindful of the words that I use to be intentional about the music that I create and to be constantly open to learning, you know, from trans folks, from women, from gender nonconforming people from other cultures uh, Much yeah, awesome.
0: And thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. Uh, and I couldn't agree more. And I talked to my therapist about this. I'm like, I wish almost, and I don't wish it more than how things currently are, but there are times where I just miss the ignorance is bliss factor of my life. But I've chosen are, to. Are you familiar? Are you familiar with the movie The Matrix? Yes, but not very familiar. Okay.
1: But yeah, I I would. When you said ignorance is bliss, because that quote is in the movie, mm -hmm. I I would highly. I mean, let's see. You graduated in 26. Yeah, I'm 26. Which means means you were like five or younger. That's my brother's
0: kind of generation, I'm sure.
1: How old are you? 36. I'm 36. Yeah. Yeah, So, what I would recommend, because I think you're going to see it in a new light, and this is for everyone listening. um, I was like, I don't know. I must've been 17 or 18 when the matrix came out. And my brother's 35. So I
0: definitely remember, you know, this.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, to be clear, don't watch the matrix trilogy, just watch the first movie. (laughs) The other two are kind of trash, but the idea, like the premise of that movie in a sci-fi way is, is the very thing you're talking about. It's, we're being awake to the fact that we're slaves or we're, you know, in the movie you're like a battery, but, um, you know, the idea that there's a character of kind of an antagonist in the movie who said it, literally exactly what you just said, which is I miss the days of being ignorant of all this stuff. Right. Like it would be much easier for me if I could go back. So he's trying to get the robots, you know, the evil robots to make him forget what he's learned about real life and and erase his memory and bring him back to a place of blissful ignorance. Right. Um, and they also have the ability to like they could make him a celebrity or they could make him rich, you know, like because the world is fake anyway. So he's like, in addition to forgetting, like, give me a lot of money and just send me off on my blissful way so that I don't have to remember that I'm an asshole. Right. And, um, (laughs) and it's funny because sign me up. I mean, I, I don't know many people who, who given the option wouldn't choose that easier, um, you know, that that life of ease and constant agitation and feeling like, what the hell am I gonna do about patriarchy, like, you know what I mean? Like, you look at 77 rapes and you're like, holy shit, like, am I just gonna stand on the block with the, you know, a golf club, Mm -hmm. like, just looking out for creeps? Like, no, because a lot of these rapes are happening in households, from family members, from people Mm -hmm. who are close to you. Like, it feels so massive. I felt hopeless. Right. When I saw that figure, it was devastatingly reality check hopeless. Yep. And so how do you deal with that hopelessness and, and summon the will to 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 be creative and, and be hopeful? And for me, music is the answer to that question. If I can make a song like my body right. and have it, first of all... And you can't even understand
0: can... how that has resonated with people and the effect
1: well, had. Well, the key is, number one, is it has to bop. Because if it doesn't <laughs> sound good to listen to, people right. are going to be like, that's trash. It anyway. does so, have to
0: bop. And granted, that shit bops.
1: Yo, thank you. That shit that bops. a great compliment. Yes. But it, I was enjoying is, myself thoroughly. It it needs to go hard because that's what's going to make it resonate. And, and I may not be able to yank up every fucking asshole predator that's out there, but if I can help do something to uh, you know, to cure or something in someone's mind. Oh, right. And there's a rapper, a guy named immortal technique. And this is what gives me hope. You know, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, he says, um, no person can do everything, but everyone can do something. Right. Like you don't need to be able to fix gun violence or patriarchy.
0: What is it? Know, yeah. Tomorrow. There's a sign in my neighborhood. Nothing can be changed until it's faced but what is it nothing will be or nothing it's like face to change but change to face what am I trying to say like um exactly what you're saying like yeah we're not we can't change everything but we also certainly can't change anything until we at least face it so maybe the work is facing it it's not changing it necessarily and in time that facing it is the change
1: but listen, isn't that the same thing that your therapist said? Right. Like, like facing it is changing. It. Right. Because looking at what traumatized me, acknowledging it, staring it face to face and engaging with it, what you're doing is you're, you're reducing your previous world goo, goo, <laughs> world view to that, to that. Back goop, to goo. That, that primordial, you know, um, chrysalis goop and you're reconstructing something different. Right. And that's the that's 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 what we all need to figure out how to do. Yeah, and to resist, resist the temptation to lean into blissful ignorance while right. taking time to center joy. There's a difference between those two things. Mm-hmm. If you're not if you're not emotionally in a place to have a you know deeply you know a heavy conversation on a big topic, then there's nothing wrong with taking tabling a self-care it. day or tabling it right. or taking a deep breath, you know, and if you have the privilege to do so, because right. guess what? While you're over here saying like, you know what, I'm, I'm an ally to Black Lives Matter, but I'm trying to get to my job and this traffic jam is really pissing me off right now. Like some people have the privilege to be able to decide right. that I don't want to deal with this today. Right. When, when you're on the other end of that, of those crosshairs, you don't have the luxury of being able to say, I'm going to turn off my blackness today and just, <laughs> right. just go to work and have a normal day. Right. Like, no, I have to worry when- Yeah, I got to face red this. Lights. point blank yeah, every I day, every moment. It. So, so it's important for you while acknowledging the fact that you're entitled to your own like a mental health or self-care day, that many folks do not have the luxury of being able Absolutely. to do that. And so- Sitting in gratitude for the privilege that you have, as you take care of yourself and as you as you ante up every day to to find something you can do, right? You know, and this podcast is a great example. You know what I mean? Like talking with your friends is cool. Like talking to people about how we're gonna get together to smash the patriarchy. Like that might actually save somebody's life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So so I think doing things with intention is a really valuable way to to answer the call that Mortal Techniques set out, which is very simple. No no one person can do everything, but everyone can do something. Right. What is the something that you're doing? Right.
0: Well, uh, yeah, you fucking killed it. <laughs> um, I wish I had all those words that I could articulate. Um, this conversation has meant a ton to me. I mean, we've been talking for an hour, and I feel like I could just I mean, we could go down a million different sectors with a variety of things and all of it would be meaningful and important. And like, I'm ready to like, I'm ready to argue with you. I'm ready to be wrong. I'm ready to figure it out, you know, which is the point of this podcast, which is like I encourage people like, I don't want to just talk to you as a black man, as a white woman and be like, okay, let me just sit here and be wrong. Like, I want to question the voice of hip hop or whatever. Because I think personally, I think that's what we need is like, let's actually break down what's happening and figure it out and have the conversations and explain it. Because I think there's too much of like, okay, I'm sorry. Let's just go forward. And it's like, you can't, you can't, that's a, that's a lovely idea you know but yeah i think these conversations we're having right now i my hope is that uh it'll be the pathway to the right things in life i don't know do you know what i'm saying does that make sense
1: i do i think that um you know yes dialogue is great um learning is great you know personal research is great you know so for your listeners out there who found this conversation challenging or intriguing, I would encourage you to do some research and to, and to look at some folks who you may not typically go to listen to. So for example, you know, I was just talking with a friend over Instagram um, who brought up personal responsibility as it relates to violence. I made some comment like, um, you know, let's name poverty as a form of violence. Like when you hear a shot ring out in the neighborhood, that is one form of violence, but those, that violence is the product of a broader violence, which is poverty and no access to healthy foods, education, and a safe place to live. So like, let's name that as violence. And he kind of responded, um, and I think earnestly responded very much in the way that you just described um, as like, you know, I want to argue, I want to disagree, I want to work this out. And, um, you know, and uh, he was like, you know, what about the person who shoots the gun? Like, they're also, they also have personal responsibility. And I thought, you know, which is a valid point. I didn't say he didn't, the person, the shooter didn't have personal responsibility. I was talking about structural issues. But, um, you know, I'll just share with you kind of as we wrap up that, like, you know, and this guy this is a white guy, guy I went to elementary school with. And um, you know, it's a lot to try to def- you know, to defend and kind of spar with someone who's really not on the same page. It requires a lot. It, it you know, you kinda have to um have the time and the patience to lock horns with someone and I do think it's there's a lane for that and it's really important. Um but it, what's equally important for him and for everyone who's listening, especially if you've been challenged by something you've heard today, is to, is to go listen. Not to me, but to, to someone who's, who's written or spoken. There's tons of TED Talks out there I could recommend. And that's what I did to my friend. I was like, I could sit down here and give him a one-hour lecture, or I could send him a chapter from this really dope book written by a black woman, Michelle Alexander, The New Jim Crow. And so the new Jim Crow really methodically its a very well-researched book and it lays out in excruciating detail the ways in which uh, systems are kind of designed to disproportionately um, oppress black folks. And and I know that Michelle can do an infinitely better job than I can at explaining this to my friend. And he saves us both time and energy by... uh, Doing the research himself and not asking that me to be his teacher. Um, so, yeah, I think there's you have Google and you have people you can ask around you that can put you onto resources and books so you can do your own independent research. And that's what I would recommend.
0: So, exciting news at this point in the podcast and our conversation, my audio got cut off. But luckily, I think you're at a really good point and a closing point. So, uh, Pierce Freelon, everybody, just an amazing activist, politician, musician, Emmy Award winner, hoping to be Grammy nominated. Can't say enough good things. This conversation meant a lot to me. And yeah, of course, on one hand, I certainly feel like ignorance is bliss, bliss, bliss and I do miss those Days, but of course it's not worth it. I wouldn't change a thing about uh, my ability to process and have these conversations. And I think to Pierce's final point, it is a big ask at times to have whoever the oppressed is, whether it be a black man or whether it be myself as a woman or whatever, to have to go into detail and explain this and walk someone through and whatever so to his point do your research but also like I'm always here to help or who I think people are happy to help it can just be a lot to ask someone to explain something from start to finish especially especially if your whole goal is to argue which that's typically mine whoop whoop Anyway, uh, yeah, I couldn't be more thrilled with how that conversation ended up. Um, He obviously seems to be an exceptional husband, father, human. So I was really lucky to be able to share that time with him. And Pierce, I know I'm just talking to myself now, but I thank you and I admire you and the courage you have shown and live out in your day-to-day life is absolutely astonishing. So anyway, all that to say and wrap up is that let's keep fighting the good fight, everyone. Keep having conversations. I hope that people, if you're able to enjoy time with family, happy Thanksgiving. You know, happy Thanksgiving. Whatever you do, love to everyone. Peace, joy, all the fun things. I can't wait to celebrate the holidays. I backed into someone at McDonald's yesterday because my tree was in the way of the rear view mirror yeah 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 anyway have a great day everyone
1: bye
0: yo thanks for listening to is what it is to know more visit my website at IsabellaZal.com or my Instagram at YIsabella, Haha. Music is by The Remarks out of Charlotte, North Carolina. You can expect new episodes whenever the fuck I get around to it. And I will catch you next time. Be you or be don't.